here. We want to release the heart of the Father. We want to speak what heaven is speaking. And so I kept running into a, this wall uh, this past couple of weeks here. And I'm like, what is going on? And Karen and I were having a conversation. And I think I got the revelation <laughs> that what I'm feeling doesn't always just belong to me, but it's what I'm picking up in the atmosphere. And so I realized that I had begun to take on a negative view. Like, this is crazy. Like, 2020 sucks, and I can't, like, is it over yet? Is it January? Because everybody knows what happens in January. If you don't, it's my birthday. So that just is the whole thing. So is it January yet? Like, God, I just... It's just, is it over? We keep going through this. Okay, we shut down, we open up. Okay, what is California doing? Is that going to follow us? What's happening and all this stuff is going on, right? And I just begin to just kind of complain, like, oh, this is just, I don't want to wear a mask. It's like, I can't breathe. It's like, you know, I can't wear lipstick because, you know, it gets in the mask and then it's on your face and just all this toxic thought process. And as I was beginning to complain, I, the Lord put me in check. How many of you know sometimes God will put you in check? Okay, so if you don't know that, you're about to find out God will put you in check. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, the, um, I'm the poster child of having been checked by Holy Spirit. And <laughs> so, because he loves me enough to make me want to, you know, just line my little self up here. And so I'm thinking, it's like, you know, this is just so, he's, this, this, this sucks. He said, does it really? Does it really? I'm like, but it does. And I, I have a witness, because out of the mouth of two or three, it's every word established. So I have a witness because everybody on social media is in agreement with me. It's like, okay, what well, is that true? And he began to highlight how we have to be very careful what we partner with, what we come into agreement with. We have to be very mindful of what we're releasing. Um, we have to be very careful that we are protecting, protecting our thoughts in this season, right? And it's like because what, what, what we begin to think about is the things that we agree with and what we agree with will begin to speak. And what we speak, we'll see. Even if what we see and what we speak aren't true. 2020 doesn't suck. This isn't the worst year ever. And I think as believers, we have a responsibility to change what the world is seeing by what we're speaking. And he said, you tell me how it sucks. You had two sons that got married to their dream brides and their dream weddings. And it's like, so tell me what sucked about that. What sucked when the forecast for the day was rain and it was going to ruin everything, but the saints came together and prayed. And instead of rain, we had the most beautiful event ever. Tell me where it sucked. Tell me we're in the midst of this because it's like the economy is just collapsing and all of this is happening. And he's like, you still living in your house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the economy is collapsed. You're still living in your house. You have a missed a payment even when your client roster had to decline. And you don't even get unemployment, <laughs> but I provide it. Still driving in your car, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, still, okay. Haven't missed a payment. Still have your insurance, right? Still have your health, right? Yeah, so he started highlighting to me all the stuff that I was complaining about that it was really a lie. 
And so sometimes we partner with what looks like true, but we have to come in and allow the truth to set us free because it's not what's true that makes us free. It's the truth. And so it may be true that this year has been a little bit of a struggle bus, but the truth is that God is still good and his grace is still great. His mercy is still reigning and the church has not fallen off and, and collapsed. We're still here. It's true that we've encountered a virus that we have not encountered before, but you know what else? And that people have died from this, but you know what he began to highlight to me? The truth is this, you know more people that have had it and recovered than you have that have died from it. And if that don't give you cause to rejoice, if that doesn't show you that this year doesn't suck and that I'm still reigning my goodness over the land. When we start partnering with truth, things begin to change. So this morning, I have a responsibility to deliver to you a word that caused you as a body, globally, locally, nationally, personally, that we rise up in truth. We've got to change the way that we think. And the only way that that changes is when we partner our thoughts and our belief systems around the truth of God. What is God's truth? What is he speaking? What is he releasing in this hour? Because if we change what we think, we'll change what we speak and we'll change what we see. And when that changes, the world follows suit. Can I tell you guys something? The church is in the best position that we've been in in a very long time. Hear me by the spirit. Right now, in the midst of fear and turmoil and everything else that's being presented, something significant is happening. Daniel, you better grab this because this is a gift from God. Let me tell you something. Something significant is happening everybody's eyes is going to and fro and the world is not dreaming currently they're trying to figure out what we're doing today so their eyes aren't even focused on what we're doing tomorrow because we don't even right now our mind is on this year it sucks it's the worst year of my life I don't I couldn't go to work for three months I had to stay home with this wife and this kids and I'm like yeah I, I even know we had a dog because I was never at home enough to realize it they're not seeing the beauty of the gift that God has given them for the opportunity to reset their family, reset their lives, recognize they had a Fido and could get a Skippy to go with it. Listen, the world is not dreaming as we suppose. Anytime something significant happened in the Bible and it looked like chaos, it was an opportunity for reset. When Noah set sail on the ark, it looked like the end of the world, but it was an opportunity for a reset. So when they got off the boat, he got off with a strategy from heaven that began to set the world in place according to the goodness of God. Right now, the world is at reset and the world isn't dreaming, but believers have to rise up and walk out your dream. There is still a hope for your future there's still a plan of God for your life and what's happening right now is if we grab a hold of this thing and we begin to run with the vision run with the vision rise up and walk out the dreams that God has placed in us by the time the world begins to awaken, we have set the bar. We've set the precedence. I'm telling you, the world felt like it was upside down, but in reality, God was setting it right side out. If we're believers, we have an opportunity now to lay a foundation. Yeah. 
for the world to follow. We've been chasing behind the world trying to play catch up. But right now, God said the world is at rest, at pause. I'm giving you a 15-second head start. Run like your life depends on it. Run like the vision depends on it. Run with this thing called the gospel because when they wake up, they got to run on the foundation that you've laid. But are we laying a foundation? What are we doing with the time that God has given us in this reset? He's resetting. Listen, listen. For the last 10, 15, 16, 17, 20 years, if you don't understand that the institution of marriage and family has been under attack, Parents have been absent from the home. They've not been able to engage because we're so busy building careers and building everybody else's empire and all this stuff. But in the reset, God's reconnecting the hearts of marriages. He's putting marriages back into right perspective. Because, see, my job is shut down. I got to stay at home with my wife and his kids. And I realize I don't even know you, so this is an opportunity for us to come and reason together to recount and remember how we first fell in love. So this is what it was that I loved about you. And we begin to rekindle that thing. And this is the byproduct. This is the fruit of that. And families are taking precedence right now. People are valuing their children in a way that they didn't before because they had to be home with them. Listen, I'm trying to tell you what I'm seeing in the spirit by the Holy Ghost. God is building the family up. And when we come out of this scene, we're going to see less divorces. I'm prophetically declaring it. We're going to see healthy children. We're going to begin to see healthy marriages. These things are coming up on the rise because we're laying a platform. And if the platform is laid, then guess what? The world? We're setting an example. Are you going to be an example? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, because this is such a prophetic message that sometimes it doesn't always have a scripture to go aligned, but I was very intentional in trying to find some scriptures to go along with what I believe God is saying. Because sometimes we can't receive it if it doesn't have that attached to it. But I'm telling you, the scripture says we demolish arguments and every pretension do you know what a pretension is? It's a facade. It's a myth. It's an ideology. It's a vain imagination. The world has set up pretensions. Turn the TV on. The culture and climates of families have changed. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but I begin to notice a trend, and somebody better catch this by the spirit. If you watch shows that are family-oriented, what I begin to notice is that in all these shows, they didn't honor the father. In cartoons and children's program, they always present the father as like a doof, an idiot, a, you know, and it's like it, it just unbalanced. And then the mom holds all the power, and, they, and, and she partners with the kids in this false image of a father. And what that did was systematically begin to strip down the vision of what a father looks like. And we all know that we relate to the heavenly father by how we relate to the natural father. So if you don't dishonor the natural father, how can the world honor the father that they haven't seen? 
Things are being reset. That is a pretension. It's a facade. It's the opposite of truth. Now, I won't disagree. Some people do need Jesus a little bit more than others. But not all. Not all. I, I won't, I'm not on that man bashing wagon because that's ridiculous. But some of y'all need help. Um, and then, but again, some of us women need help. Listen, I, I'm my own amen corner. I acknowledge I need some help. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I just said, you know, my husband left me to go to heaven because I need help. He, he was like freedom. <laughs> but we demolish arguments in every pretension that self sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's time for us as a body to begin to take those thoughts captive. And how do we do that? It's when we set our eyes, we fix our eyes, we fix our gaze on things above. We're seated in heavenly places. That is where we live from. That is where we operate from. That is where we move from. So when we fix our, God, our gaze on those things, what we see we want to become like. What we see we want to become like. All the little girls looking through the magazines and all the Instagram models and, oh, I want to be like her. I wanna, oh, she's so pretty. I want to be like this. I want to dress like this. And I want to, because what we see, we want to become like. But as the church arises more and more, we give them something else to see that changes every platform. It changes, it changes the precedence. Holiness is making a comeback. Holiness is making a comeback. Because what we're seeing is different. People are exhausted. They are tired. When you begin to talk to people, they're weary and they're worn out. And they're looking for something different. They need something different. They're hungry for something else. How about this? We give them something else to feast on. We don't partner with them in being weary and tired and thirsty. The scriptures have given us an antidote for that. If you're tired, if you're thirsty, if you're burnt down on religion, we come to Jesus. So when we come, we give them an answer like this is how you get out of that. We don't get in there and begin to agree like I know it's so horrible it's so awful I just can't believe it is this year over what's next you know oh gosh we thought it was over I don't even know what August is gonna bring if July brought this it's like there's no hope in that but we have an answer that brings truth over what is true the Bible says in Proverbs that the, the tongue has a power of life and death, and those that love it will eat its fruit. So guess what? When we eat, when we taste and see that the Lord is good, then we have something to offer. We have some fruit to share. In Isaiah, he came and he presented a scroll, and he said, eat it. 
and it was sweet as honey going down, but then it was bitter and he regurgitated. We in that, we in that, we're there, we're there, we're there. If we begin to delight and eat of the goodness of God, we can't help but to regurgitate it. It means we repeat it. It comes back up. We spit it out. We spew it out almost like a bird. And I know that's a bad visual, but we give the people something else to eat, something else to digest, which is the truth of God. There's so much power in our words, and our words are an extension of our thoughts. If we can dis discipline our thoughts, then our speech will be changed. And if what we speak is changed, then what we see is changed. If we can discipline our thoughts, discipline, everybody say discipline. A disciplined thought life is the fruit or byproduct of being a disciple. A disciplined thought life is a byproduct of being a disciple. What are we disciples of? What are we following? What are we aligning ourselves with? I said I wasn't going to say it today, but I'm going to say it. Are we a disciple of our preferred political party? Are we a disciple of our preferred whatever it is that we prefer? Preference doesn't take precedence over the gospel. What are we a disciple of? What are we following? What are we pursuing? Right now, the world is pursuing fear because we're addicted to it. We like what we, we get addicted to what we like, and we like what we're addicted to. We get addicted to what we like. I like to be afraid. Well, I personally don't. That's why I go see every scary movie in the market. I don't do that to myself. I'm not inflicting trauma in my brain and my heart. So we get addicted to it because it makes us jump. It makes us, it's the opposite of addicted to worship where we feel the presence of God and we get Holy Ghost goosebumps and all that stuff. We get the opposite. So we get addicted to that and we like what we're addicted to and we're addicted to what we like. So it's a vicious cycle that repeats itself. Addiction leads to obsession. And the world right now is obsessed with fear. We find stuff to channel fear into our hearts and our lives. We, when everything starts to die down, we got to find something else to make us afraid. And when that dies down or that doesn't come to pass, we find something else to make us afraid. And I saw in some places, not here because we don't channel fear here. We don't traffic in that here. You come here, you be prepared to be delivered from fear in yourself. You have not been delivered till you've been delivered from you. That was free. That's <laughs> but the church has started to begin to be obsessed with fear, too. We're fear of this happening. We're afraid of this happening. And it's like, that's not our portion. That's not what God has given us. So why are we receiving gifts that don't come from him? The gift that God has given us is goodness and grace and love and mercy. He's given us the gift of being a disciple. And Jesus, when he gave them this gift, he commissioned them to go into the world, make disciples of men, but to preach the gospel, which is the good news. What are we releasing? What are we preaching? 
if our thoughts aren't lined up, then we can't preach anything that's not inside. We have to begin to change the way that we think. We have the mind of Christ. You all know that, right? That's a given. We have the mind of Christ. So we have to be particularly careful that our thoughts are aligned with that mind. There's no dichotomy in God. There's no dichotomy in Christ or the Holy Spirit. There should not be any dichotomy in us. God is not bipolar. So when we have the mind of Christ, he's not saying be strong and not be afraid on one hand and be terrified on the other. So when that dichotomy comes, we lean into the truth. What God, this is true. So much scary stuff is happening. This is true. My brain is saying this is true. We lean into the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who leads us into what? All truth. We don't have to stay here. We can lean in over here so we get into all truth. And when we lean into all truth, our thoughts line up. And when our thoughts line up, what we speak lines up and what we'll see lines up. (sighs) Romans 8 and 6 says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a firm believer that fear is of the flesh. Fear is of the flesh. And so when we begin in that mind, it's like our minds begin to orient around death. There is, listen, you want to know what God's saying? God's saying life, life more abundantly. How do we know? Because the world is saying death. Everything's dying. The ocean's dying. The people's dying. You know, the mountains are dying. The earth. So God's saying, no, life, 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 life. So we have a choice. Look over here. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. And what happens is it starts to bring little pieces of you to death. Death, your faith begins to die. Your hope begins to die. Your joy begins to die. And God said, that's not your portion. I've said life and that more abundantly. And the abundance is because you can't contain everything that I'm trying to put inside of you. And if you can't contain it, there's a spillage. It's like a dam when the water gets too big on the dam. Look, at you can go to a dam on one side, it looks dry as a bone. But on the other side that you can't see, it's filled with water. And it's waiting for the floodgates, the levee gates to be opened up. And the more we begin to structure our thought process and orient our thoughts, towards heaven and his goodness and the truth over what's true it begins to build that water up to they don't have an opportunity they don't have a choice rather but to open the floodgates something happens when we step from there to there the world is obsessed with fear and what you are obsessed with you'll begin to idolize and to idolize something, to, to be obsessed with something, is to have an unhealthy, toxic fixation on that thing. And I told you a few minutes ago that he said, fix your gaze on me. We fix our hearts on heaven. So if we're obsessed with anything, we're obsessed with God and his goodness and his character. Because that's what changes everything. It's a thin line. From addiction to obsession to idolatry. Because when you idolize something, you build shrines around it. You glorify it. You want to invite everybody else into it to see it and witness. We're lighting candles around it. It's like, come, let us worship at the altar of fear. But when the saints rise up and they fix their hearts and their gaze on Jesus, we give them something else. When the saints rise up to worship, 
Something happens when the saints rise up to worship. If you look all throughout the Bible, we'll just do something simple. We'll go to Jericho. When the saints rose up to worship, anytime God said that there was a war and God said, send Judah first. I like how Bill Johnson puts it. In the most difficult times of our life, it's like, what's in the choir for A and B of selection? Like this, they're coming for us, and you want us to sing? Yes. When the saints go to worship, every idol has to fall. Every idol. Every idol of fear, every idol of doubt, every idol of false religion has to fall in the face of worship. And what you worship takes precedence over your mind. And when it takes precedence over your mind, it takes precedence over your heart. And out of the heart <laughs> will a mouth abundantly speak. I have a little challenge for you all this week. I want to challenge you all is that every day this week, when the idol of fear of COVID, of the whatever that is begins to rise up, I want to challenge you to release the thing that causes the idol to fall. There's a song that I'm listening to lately, and I'm going to invite you guys to listen to it. Louise is going to play a real quick snippet of it, but I want you to orient your hearts as we hear this song. I want you to fix your mind around the words of this song. And I want you to hear the word. And everything that has risen up is an idol. I was like, Chris is going to just take my message. He's returning the favor. <laughs> so good. I was like, preach, Chris. I don't have to come up. You ready? You can start it. But as you hear this song, it's one word that demolishes every other word. It demolishes fear. We fix our gaze. 